Praise God. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 20. How many of you have been with me for the last few weeks? How many of you remember what we're talking about? Your favorite subject in all the world is the struggle zone. We talked about this last week that sometimes we can, we can, we can miss the most obvious things that God does. And when he, you know, when he created our dimension, this world, you know, the Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created, the thing that he created was a world where struggle was a vital part of that world. He didn't have to do that. As a matter of fact, when we get to heaven, the only reason we struggle is because of this thing called gravity, and the gravity is only here. Because gravity requires mass, and the only place there is mass is here. Not mass like church, mass like physics math, mass kind of stuff. So either God was having a playing a real big joke on us by making this dimension a world of struggle, or perhaps that this world was intentionally made out of struggle. And I'm challenged by a lot of the Bible, and I'm sure you are too. We don't read those things much. But there's a lot of times in the Bible where God talks about the struggle. He talks about that reality. I'm getting a lot of play in our world today because we don't like those teachings. If you are stuck here now because we've locked the doors, now you have to stay and listen to me talk about struggle. But if I were to tell you this afternoon in a quick text that, hey, I'm teaching on struggle again today... Perhaps you would have not struggled so much to get here, but you did. Um, and so, what I'd like to do, did you turn on, did you turn, have you got your Bibles with you today? Because you're going to need your Bibles today. We are going to work a little bit. At least this one little finger here is going to work real hard today. And so, let me share with you in, in Deuteronomy chapter 20... Just starting in verse 1 there. Are you all there? Put your hand up if you're there. Don't fake it. I know you don't hear a lot of pages rustling in our, in our modern way of reading Bibles. You only hear your hand silently sliding across the screen of your electronic device. But start with... Uh, you don't have to start. I'll read. You listen. You all listening at least? When that, uh, let me, I'm going to up. Oh, no, I did already did it. Ah. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and people more than you, and be not afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when you come near unto the battle that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people and shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not. Do not tremble. Neither be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to save you. That's one of those scriptures that would, if I wrote the Bible, which... I wish I did, because I would have taken a couple of these scriptures out. I would have written this part. When you get out of bed in the morning and you are struggling to choke down your French toast and bacon, remember that I, the Lord your God, am with you. If you desire ice cream on top of your waffles, I... The Lord am with you. That's not what he said. He wasn't talking about ice cream and waffles. He wasn't talking about, certainly wasn't talking about bacon. What was he talking about? He was talking about a struggle. He was talking about a battle. And the potential that in the battle, it's not going to look good to you. You're going to see that they got more stuff than you. They got more chariots and more horses. They got more stuff. They got more people. Don't worry about that. Thus saith the Lord. How many of you say, that's not how I would have written the Bible? I don't even like that part of the Bible. 
But the reality of what God is talking about, as much as we do not like the concept at all, we have to begin to be students of why in the world did God do it like that? What was the point? Um, you know, last week when I was here, I, I was in worship and I had this cool, I put that logo back up. I put that, you know, ran after, I had to find Caitlin. Caitlin does all of our, a lot of our design. How many of them? Boop, boop, Caitlin. So her and I were back in the little corner room back there, you know, firing through a bunch of logos because we needed to steal one from somebody and put the new name on it. This was somebody else's logo. Bless you if that's your logo. Just borrowing it. And so we were fighting, she was shooting through, you know, the thingamabibum or whatchamacallit, and it was, uh, you know, we came up with this one. I said, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And then I was, I was putting together tonight's teaching, I'm remembering this logo. It's a bounce house. Can I tell you what the, what the objective of a, of it, if you are a guy, a girls, you may not be like this, potentially. Not that I'm being gender specific. This is Canada and all. The, should you be, should you have a male chromosome somewhere zipping around in your body there and you were to get into a bounce house, Stephen, if you and I went in the bounce house, what would be the objective? Would we be going in there to become friends? <laughs> would we be coming in there to talk about, you know, our lives? What would be the objective? A bounce house. In the, you put more than one guy in a bounce house. The objective it is not stated. Nobody would, especially if there's Christians, we're not talking about the fact that we would tell each other these are the, what would be the assumed objective? To be the what? The last man. You have sons. <laughs> to be the last Man standing. Isn't that the objective? See, so when we go in there, everybody knows that that's what the objective is. I'm not trying to accomplish anything. I'm just trying to be the last man standing. And I'm doing everything I can to just not fall down. And if I do fall down, what do I do? I pretend that I didn't, and I stand back up as quickly as I can, because that's the objective. I wonder, say this with me, say, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if that might be the objective of us here on earth. Hmm. I wonder if it's not really, because God did not say there, listen, when you go into battle, here's what I want you to do. I want you to number how many people are on the other team. He didn't say that. I want you to count up how many horses they have. Better still, let's look at how much treasure you're going to get if you win. He didn't say that. He didn't even say, you know, kiss your wife and kids goodbye in case you lose. He didn't say that either. What did he say? He said, all I want you to do, let's, can we go back there? I mean, if you think God, God can, God's careful with the things that he says. Listen to what he says. He says, uh, when you approach the battle against your enemies, one, let your hearts not fail. Or excuse me, let, your, let not your hearts faint. Fear not, don't tremble, neither be terrified because of them. It's kind of like what you would tell if I'm the father putting my son in the bounce house. I would pull him off to the side and say, and I'd whisper to him, just don't fall down. Give him the clue, manly clues about how to really get, you know, win the day. Because there isn't any other objective. Careful now. Because we're an objective-driven people. He didn't say to focus on the objective, focus on the victory, focus on the win. He said, don't faint. Don't faint. You see, in the, if you think about it now, when was the last time I struggled? The problem in the struggle 
isn't really the struggle. The problem is in the struggle is when I get close to fainting. Because if I want to get up off the couch and go to the fridge, go to the cupboard, get the bag of chips, and come back to the couch, that's going to be a struggle. You've seen the bag of chips now? You, gotta, you need a pair of scissors to open a bag of chips nowadays. I don't know why they do that. <laughs> Used to be able to just pop the suckers. Oh, you can't do that anymore. You, they'll bust open it right all over the floor. That's more struggle. See what's happening? But the only problem with that whole scenario is if I've been on the couch too long and I can't get up. You know how you sink into the couch so far you can't really get up anymore? That's where the struggle happens. Otherwise, it would be no struggle. I wouldn't even notice it. It's only when the struggle gets near the edge that it starts to become a problem. When God put us on this planet, it seems that the only thing he needs from us to get to the victory in the battle is not being good warriors. Because that's not what he said here. A lot of times he gives them instructions in battle that are, they're just dumb instructions. He just needs people to not faint. To face struggle in such a way that when they get to that struggle, they don't faint. When you hear about the list that I had for the other day, the, 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 the list, you got saved, well, you know, at 10 o'clock you got saved, at 10.05 we told you, this is what you got to do. One, pray. Two, read your Bible. Three, go to church. Four, fellowship with people of like passion. Know why that is? Because all those things, if you do them well, they empower you to be stronger in the middle of a struggle. So that when the struggle comes, I just got a little bit more strength. I got a little bit more balance. I got a little bit more leeway between me and the edge of the cliff. Because God doesn't actually need us to know what the heck to do. You know, I, this is probably, you know, I, I don't think we're supposed to be not proud of ourselves. I think it's good for you to think that you're awesome. I think God thinks you're awesome and just agree with him. Uh, but, but the way that I used to do things for all of my life was, what, you know, if I have a problem, uh, Pastor Gene and I are both similar in this way. We're kind of problem-solving kind of people. That's who we are. So when we have a problem, you know what we do. We sit down and we start trying to solve the problem, which works pretty good for a little while until the problem is unsolvable. And we have many of those. Uh, many of them are in this room. You, you're probably one of those. <laughs> We're not going to tell you that individually, but let's say that that might be true. <laughs> but you know what the problem is? What I've noticed is you spend a whole ton of time trying to figure out how to get the solution, like what to do. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying don't prioritize that. Because I would say, you know what, I don't have time to pray today because I got too many things I got to figure out. And I don't got time to go to church Wednesday night. I don't got time for that. I got stuff to do. I got to figure stuff out. Read your Bible. My gosh, you know how big that thing is? I don't got time for that. I got to solve problems. I got to come up with that, come up with some solutions here to all the problems. If I don't got any, got any you're going to show up and you'll give me some. I don't got time for all those things. Can I tell you something? That's not what God's focus is on here. We think in our own pride that we can sit down with a problem that is absolutely impossible and come up with a few alternatives. Did you know that by the very definition of what is impossible, there, that there isn't any need for alternatives? When struggling after problems instead of realizing what we need to be doing is learning how to obey God. Here's, here's a formula for you. You probably never figured out this formula before. I don't think I've ever thought of this before I put these notes together. Watch this. this is, I hope I don't offend you. Watch this. You got your pens out? I'm going to write this down. It's very complicated. Obey God. Let's say, let's say you know, understand, you know, accept the fact that there's a problem. 
Go to God, ask God what the problem is. What do I do? And then obey God and see how long you can go in the struggle that's about to happen because you obeyed God. Just that's, if I, just, that's it. I'm not saying then there will be another strategy. Just use that strategy. You know, like for example, uh, you know, financial things, you gotta, okay, so God says to tithe, everybody's supposed to tithe, whether you like that or not or not. But let's say you decide I'm gonna start tithing. Okay, so this Sunday, obey God, and let's see how far you get before you wish you didn't. Can you get the envelope all the way in the bucket before you decide you don't want to do that? Can you make it to the parking lot? Can you get through Monday? Can I tell you, when you first start doing it, the struggle is, is, the struggle is even, you know, listening to the guy who's taking up the offering. Then you get through that. It's okay. I'm feeling good about that. I'm okay with that struggle. I seem to be uh, maturing. So then I actually get an envelope. Didn't put anything in it, but I get an envelope. You see how you can move along the struggle and you're learning how to struggle better and survive. Eventually, you're going to be tithing and you're not even, it's not even going to be a struggle for you. It's not, I don't even, you know, it's not like I don't think about it. I'm so blessed that I can, I'm able to do that. But I don't really give it a lot of thought anymore. It used to be, oh my gosh, such a struggle. And I started to wonder if really what we need to learn to do as a culture is to obey God and then learn how to struggle. You know what I noticed about God? Now, I know this sounds terrible. You got to be careful. Pick the, flight, pick the bones out of this and, you know, eat the meat, spit out the bones. I don't know how, I, how you're hearing this. I can only share it the way it's coming out of me, Okay. I am not saying own your struggle. I'm not saying life is supposed to be a continual, you know, mud fest of struggle in the worst way. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, if we would take as the number one objective of life to learn how to struggle well. I, way back, I, 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 I have the book, I don't know where it is now. There is a book that is called Failing Forward. It's a business book. And this is the concept of failing forward. Don't worry about whether or not you are succeeding in the great master plan of your life. Just do the right thing today, no matter what that is, even if you fall, because what you'll do is fall forward. That when you get up tomorrow, you will be ahead of where you were yesterday, even though you fell down. You are ahead just because you tried to move forward. Yes. So you're doing this, tipping, tipping, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And then when you're going to fall, fall forward. I am now three feet ahead of where I was before, even though I fell forward. We become, in our culture... So focused on did I make the, did I get movement forward that I don't realize that if I just learn how to struggle well, how to endure the issues of life as I am being, as I'm moving forward in obedience to God, when I learn how to do that well, I am, do you know what you're doing when you're running? Did you know that you are falling forward when you're running? When a little kid, one of my little grandchildren, they try to go forward, they go like this and fall down. Now they go like this and they don't fall down. And then they do it 20 more times. It's called running. But they could never do that if they didn't learn how to fall forward. We become so focused on the master plan and did I experience the glory of the increase. Instead of realizing, I talk about that, you know, people, they, they ask me all the time, you know, how did you get here in this church? And uh, you have, you know, beautiful building and beautiful congregation, you know, God. can I tell you, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I, 
You know, people come in and they go, wow. You know what? I remember all the problems. I remember the struggles. Right? I remember every, you know, for the first, I don't know how long it was. You know, we, start, we bought this church in 07. How many of you remember what was the remarkable feature of 2008? Does any of you financial people remember what happened in 2008? The crash of all crashes. So for everybody else that came on Sunday morning and says, wow, it's beautiful here, it's awesome. You know, I'm trying to keep the bills paid. The giving of the ministry went in half, uh, nine and ten. Well, we still got stuff. We didn't know how to pay for it when we had the money to pay for it. <laughs> then you try to do it when you have half. Come back on Sunday, woo! Make, start making phone calls on Monday again, trying to keep it afloat. You see, so when you, this, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that for a negative reason, and I'm not trying to give you hope for problems, and I'm not trying to give you hope for struggle. I'm not trying to do that. You know what the Lord said to me? Oh, this is a good thing to say. See, now I have to check him when he tells me stuff because I've got in trouble when he just says, say this, okay. And it's like, no, 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 Lord, you can't say stuff like that. <laughs> you can say it to me, but I can't say it to them. <laughs> we'll move on. Did you know that God doesn't need us to do anything? to get forward motion from us? You know that God could have, we, this, happens, this happened to us a lot. God can have me like, like face plant right into the concrete and come out better than I was before. Yeah. How have you ever had that happen? Like it's like, it's over. My life is over now. Yeah, it's, this is a completely irredeemable problem that we can never, ever, ever get out of. And all of a sudden, I realize, what? All of a sudden, I'm everything is okay, and it's over. And we're better off. That's happened so many times, it's not even funny. Can I tell you something? God, we become so focused on doing all the right things that when we try to do the right things and we perceive ourselves to be failing, then the perception of our failing is actually accelerating our failing. Is that, is it, do you all know what I'm talking about there? And when God doesn't need us, see, when we start worrying and fretting and John chapter 6, I mean, Matthew chapter 6 everything by worry, 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 we actually weaken our ability to stay strong and straight no matter what's happening. Instead of doing all that, Jesus says, don't worry about it. Stop worrying about whether you're struggling or not. The sparrow gets up every day and it's got to eat. It's got, you know, a bunch of predators out there looking to chomp it for breakfast. Don't worry about all that. Does your heavenly father not take care of the sparrow? If we could just learn how to be not worried about the struggle. I'm struggling right now. I'm trying to keep this, this, you know, piece of meat off the ground even as we speak. Right? Gravity is trying to suck me into the ground. That's what gravity does. So I'm actually struggling. Don't notice I'm struggling right now because my body's strong enough to hold me up. But I'm still struggling. And it's good, you know. Eh. Do you know what happens when you stop struggling? Okay, watch. When you struggle, you get stronger. Is that true? Now, there's reasons you can struggle and struggle wrong and you can get weaker. That's true. That's what I'm trying to correct. I'm trying to get you to learn how to struggle in a way that makes you stronger. Not struggle in a way that makes you weaker. That's a good way of saying the, the difference. If struggling makes you stronger, what does not struggling make you? It makes you weaker. So when I take a day 
Now, I'm not saying don't take a day and, you know, spend it on the couch. I'm not saying that. Or on the beach somewhere. That's great. Do that. But do you know that that day you didn't get stronger? That day you got weaker. And you don't notice it because it's only a day or a week or whatever. It's good. But if you keep going that way, you're going to get weaker. I mean, you're going to, get, you're going to feel weaker. Uh, and Alex is trying to get me to the gym. You know, he's off to a destination wedding, la-di-da, next week. He's buffing up. You know, he probably noticed, you know, he's buffing up. <laughs> I'm not jealous. I'm envious, actually. That's the word that jealous is. I wish I was him. He's trying to get me to the gym. You know, when you go to the gym, you get stronger. Why is it you go to, I'm not always, you're probably thinking that's true. You can just go to the gym and sit in the lobby. But if you go to the gym and actually use the machines, that's called struggle. And when you struggle, you get stronger. Your muscles tear a little bit. And then when they repair themselves, they get bigger. You know, you probably notice how an amazing physique I have. That's because the issue is the struggling is actually important. If we don't struggle, we become weaker. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you, but when I, cause I keep, he keeps bringing it up, and so now it's on him. Here we go. You know, one of the big problems that I want to solve in the world is poverty. I think poverty is the, the mother of all problems. I think every problem, eventually, you keep going backwards, the problem is a poverty problem. It's a money problem, resources problem. It's a lack problem. But the Lord said to me, I was at that table right there. He says, if you teach people who want more money to struggle, they'll get more money. You just have to struggle. You have to get used to struggling. If you get used to struggling financially, not struggling like doing without. Do you know that taking, you know, saving money is a struggle? Do you know that go walking to the mall and not buying anything is a struggle? <laughs> Whoa, I got, yes, it is. Yes, you're darn right it is, right? Do you know that investing in somebody else's company where you're going to maybe lose your money is a struggle? You know, buying something that's going to appreciate and you have to fix it and make it appreciate, that's a struggle. If you want more money, you have to be willing to struggle. If you are not willing to struggle, you are going to not get more. Does that, does that make some sense, everybody? So when we're dealing with how can we solve the poverty in the world, don't go to the poverty problem with more money. Go to the poverty problem with a plan to teach them how to struggle and embrace it. You know, Alex, is he in the room? Did he leave? Did I offend him? You know, Alex was in the Honor Academy. And they had this event. It was called, it's called ESOL. The emotionally, emotional, E-S. The emotional struggle or something. <laughs> I should have found that out. That you probably thought you would be prepared for this. The, em the emotionally, <laughs> the, everybody, Alex McDonald. Everybody, thank you very much. The emotionally straining opportunity of a lifetime. Now, I already heard about this, and I was quivering. What they do is, is that they have them, they wake them up in the middle of the night. Now, there's probably a couple hundred of these guys down there doing this Honor Academy program. And they wake them up in the middle of the night. And they haul them out into the middle of nowhere. There's a big field that's in the back of the, what used to be the... Uh, uh, Honor Academy campground there, the school area there, and they would literally terrorize them all night long. They would start, you know, it's freezing cold down there in the, in the evening times. It's a cold time of the year. They would get them out of bed and they would they'd hose them down as they're leaving their dormitories. And then they would give them a cross, a, a real cross, like, you know, a big one, and they would have to carry the cross on their shoulder the whole time that they were being terrorized by all of the guards who were trained by Navy SEALs. 
on how to do this weekend and literally pull, every, literally squeeze these people through a knothole backwards. They would have to, I don't know all the details. I don't think he's even still told me today. I quivered when I thought, you're going to do that to my son. No way are you doing that. He is my only son. They would call him up, climb up. They had to climb up with this cross all the way up to the top of this hill. And they would get them to lie down. And then they would have to roll down the hill. It was a long way. It was probably two or 300 feet of rolling down this hill. And then they would get up at the bottom. They would throw up, as you can imagine. And then they would tell them, okay, back up to the top and do it again. And they would march them back up to the top of the, again. And they would lay down and roll down there again. And there was a bell at the top of this hill. And all you had to do to stop all the struggle was ring the bell. You want to go again? They would, I don't know if they did this. I would do it. If I was one of the guards, I'd hand them the little mallet. There you go. All you got to do, ring the bell. Ring the bell or lay down and roll again. And I don't know how long it went on. You can imagine how long. They, was, they would go on a circuit. And the next, I don't know, you can maybe tell it yourself. I should have brought you up to tell it. But you're looking so good, I didn't want the competition. But he'd go around and it would go around again and go around again and go around again as they were literally trying to get these kids to quit. And they, weren't, they didn't tell them how long it was going to go. It wasn't like a countdown. I can make one more. No, it could be 50 more. What they were, you know, I didn't like it at the time. But what they were teaching these kids was how to struggle and keep going. You know, I tell you, one roll down that hill, and I'm ringing the bell. They got, they got waffles in there, man, ding, I'm out. I can take pretty much anything, but I don't do nausea real good. I throw up one time and quit. I remember he told me, he says, because he, he, he was going to quit. And he, they said, you know, ring the bell, ring the bell. He goes, no, I'm not ringing the bell, not ringing the bell. And he was going to ring the bell, and he decided one more time, lay down, and roll again. And then he says, okay, it's over. And some people quit the time before. They almost made it. What am I saying? I'm saying that we have highly undervalued learning how to struggle well. Can I tell you what, what I, I'm, and I'm forming it in my mind right now because it's really challenging for me. But what the Lord was saying to me when I was putting together this teaching was that if I could learn how to struggle well, God would get me to my destiny. I don't even have to know how to get there. But he would get me there if I wouldn't spend so much time on the mat. What he said to me was, every second that you stay in the quit zone is a second that comes off the end. You can't get that second back. And what we do is, is that because we haven't learned, now I'm not saying that we don't have to learn to do that. We do. And we're going to fall down. We're going to make mistakes. And we're going to hate this process. And that's okay. Strategically, as the kingdom of God, the objective is, do I actually struggle well? Can I get through? You know, he said to me, he said, to challenge everybody, challenge myself too. He said, if you're not struggling, you're in the wrong league. Like if I have, um, if I play hockey and I can just skate around everybody and score 30 goals in a game and not even break a sweat and just whatever, I'm in the wrong, I'm, it's because I'm playing against four-year-olds. Do you understand? I need to, if I want to up my game, I need to play against people who are going to actually have the ability to stop me. 
I want to learn how to skate better and shoot better and whatever the other things we do in hockey. In order for me to get better, I need some competition. I need to actually feel the struggle. Do you understand? And so when we are learning how to do this with God, if we hate struggle, if we don't understand the value of struggle to a human being, then we are going to try to get to the place where we are comfortable. Do you know, listen, listen to me. I know this is challenging to hear. It's, it's challenging for me to teach. Quit is more comfortable. If I am looking to be comfortable, I am looking to quit. Isn't that the math? Instead of realizing if I treated life as a bounce house, all I'm trying to do, I'm not trying to go anywhere. I'm not trying to do any. God will look after if I go somewhere and do something. All, I, all my job is, is to learn how to get out of bed every single day and say, I can struggle. I know how to get done this day. That's a, the worst scripture in the whole Bible, I think. It's sufficient for the day is the trouble thereof. I've hated that since I was a Catholic. I think I still am a Catholic. But let's say, back, I don't like that. How can God come to me and say, sufficient for the day is the trouble thereof? What is he actually saying to me? He's saying, focus on the struggle that you have right now and learn how to struggle through it. Not stay in it and not pretend it doesn't exist. How do you learn how to embrace the struggle of today in such a way that at the end of the day, I'm going to be the guy that's still standing? And maybe in the middle of the day, I fall down. That's okay. At the end of the day, I'm going to be the guy that is still standing. How many of you ever followed sumo wrestling? You got my picture, guys? It's a great picture. Did I miss it? Oh, yeah. How many have ever seen sumo wrestling? Actually watched a wrestling, a sumo wrestling match. I had the experience first time this afternoon. I saw these pictures many times. I never actually saw a fight. I never saw them do it. I never even knew what they do. Can I tell you what the objective of a sumo wrestling match is? Last man standing. It is the last man standing. Actually, it's not even the last man standing. If you can throw the other guy down, he's out. And they are wrestling matches as long as it takes to get the other guy to fall down. Wow. I wonder... If the sumu's got it right. All I got to do in life is to not be the guy that falls down. And then if I am the guy that falls down, come back tomorrow and see if I can be the guy that doesn't fall down. Keep on going and keep on going until I can be the last guy standing. Until I can get to the end of the day and still be standing. Do you know what I've noticed? Now, I don't do this very well. I'm learning it, right? As a matter of fact, I'm learning it along with you. But because God, in his miraculous way, surrounded me with people like Aaron's and hers, who have, in the midst of my quit, never let me do that, parentheses, for long, parentheses closed. We just keep going. That's because I'm an amazing wife. And I've got an amazing family. I've got amazing leaders here. I've got you know, bishop and apostle and all these people that are there. And just keep you going and keep you going and keep you going. You know, slap you on the butt. Get in there. Come on. Get in there. Get in there. They just keep doing that. And I'm maybe too proud to quit too long. And I notice we're doing like awesome well, Mark, Apostle was here. I, you know, I, I hate to boast, but I'll do that. I'm really boasting on y'all. Do you know that he has, we tell him, I'm, Pastor Tina, kind of, you know how she is. We went, to, we went to dinner with him. I said, listen, we're not looking for the, you know, don't tell us how awesome we are. We already know how awesome we are. We're, we want you to tell us what's not right. Can I tell you something? He has nothing to say. He goes to hundreds of churches, thousands of churches. 
He goes, you know, I, I got nothing for you. I said, well, how did that happen? Well, it's because, you know, it's the stunning intellect of Pastor Ian and his ability. No, it's not. It's just what God does somehow in this mess when you just don't quit. When you just wake up the next day and say, well, that yesterday wasn't so great, but you know what? Tomorrow's going to be awesome. Thus saith the Lord in Jesus' name, you know, whatever. How is it? Like, it's amazing. How about if we could, yeah, that's all great. We didn't even know we were doing it. I mean, some people may have known. We didn't know. We just obeying God and then see if we could stand it. See if we could still stand after obeying God. That's all we did. Somehow, in all of that, obeying God and doing what was right and doing what God said and doing, somehow, even though all we did was obey God and then just put the helmet on and just stay like this. He got it done. Let me ask you something. What if we bottled that for three easy payments? Because I, I have a suspicion. I think that's the key. I think it's the ability that is laced through the entire Bible. I didn't get to many scriptures for you today, but let's go for a couple more. Let's go to, uh, I have no idea where this is. It's somewhere in the Bible. I, didn't, I took a photograph of it. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of, of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. This is Isaiah chapter 40. He has given power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall fail and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is somewhere else. And for the things are, and all things are for his sake, that the abundant grace might, this is uh, 2 Corinthians, that might through the thanksgiving of many uh, redound to the glory of God. For this cause, for what cause? The glory of God. For this cause we faint not, but through our outward, that though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day, that for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us far more exceedingly an, an eternal weight of glory, while we look, look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and those which are not are eternal. For this cause we faint not. Look at how focused God is on it. How many of you remember the story of the importunate woman? Remember, she's, uh, sorry, the, she goes to the judge and she keeps banging on the door until the judge gives her what she wants. How many of you already struggle with that? I thought, like, well, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound good. What I'm supposed to be doing is kind of waking God up in the middle of the night and telling him he needs to bless me. Never really worked for me. Verse chapter, this is Luke 18. Verse 1. And he, Jesus, and he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. And there was a city, the judge, verse 5, yet because this woman troubles me, this is the judge speaking, who is God, because this woman will not quit, I will avenge her. So can I ask you a question? Who is the real Avenger? Come on now, sir. God said, God said, I will avenge her. She didn't have to figure out how to get it done. She didn't have to figure out where the stuff, whatever she was asking for, was going to come from. All she had to do to get what she needed 
was not quit in the middle of the struggle. Not quit banging on that door until such time as she got what she wanted. So many people quit, like the Esau example, quit right on the finish line because we have not learned the simple lesson of don't quit till you get what you came for. Let me tell you a little story. You all know that I, we have three beautiful grandchildren right now. More on the way. Be, uh, you know. It's not me, guys. No, I'm just prophesying more on the way. I'm not, I'm not revealing Everyone's any. looking at you like this is an announcement. No. No, it's... I can assure you, I have been, I've already been told that nobody wants to be pregnant in the summertime. There it is, right there, folks. So, not, no news. We'll come back in September. We'll see if we have more news for you. What was I talking about? I've got three grandchildren. And so how many of you know anything about grandchildren? When they get themselves a TV program or something that they like, you're watching it once, twice. You're watching it millions of times. I am, I, if, I, if this pastor thing doesn't work out, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start making children's YouTube videos. Because you can literally, when you get a kid to watch a video, they're going to watch it over and over and over and over and over again. It's true, right? It's, 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 it's the secret of success, folks, right there. Children's videos on YouTube. We're in the middle of that right now. We have landed on uh, the movie Sing. Have you all seen the movie Sing? So every time we're with uh, Olivia, you, you have to speak her language. She, she doesn't call it Sing. She calls it Monkey Dope, which is the monkey show because there's a monkey in it. She loves Johnny. She's very clear about her affection for this gorilla, uh, Johnny. And so every time I'm there with her, uh, we get to watch the monkey toe. You know, God is, is funny. God is funny. Olivia loves this monkey. It's, a, it's about a, like a singing contest. I won't spoil the show for you. Go watch it. It's fun. It's on Netflix. Um, it all, the movie all culminates in this big moment for Johnny, the love of Olivia's life. <laughs> and so every time I'm there with her, I get to watch this monkey perform his song. And that song has been working on me. God's funny. The song that the monkey sings is a familiar song to you. It's the song, I'm still standing after all these years. I'm still standing. we've just learned how to pray, not because Pastor Tina gives you points. You learned how to pray because you've learned that it helps you to be stronger in the struggle. 
Don't read your Bible because then you get to quote to, to Pastor Ian one day how much you know. You read your Bible because you've learned that the Bible is alive, that it's food. And that food will make you stronger when it comes time to struggle. You don't go to church because the girls are cute. You go to church because when you leave here, one of the things we've done is we've praised the Lord, which is making us stronger. Another thing we did was we listened to the word of God being taught to us. We gathered around people who were believing like us and we realized that our Mondays aren't quite as dark as they used to be. It's just a little bit stronger when the struggle comes. There's just a little bit more inside of me when all of a sudden the wolf comes to the door. When the storms are raising all around me, I'm finding out that there's more about me than there used to be. I used to be the weakest guy on the block. I used to be the first guy knocked out of the bounce house. But you know what? There's coming a day when I'm the guy. When I'm the guy that owns the bound house. I'm the guy that's standing at the end of the day. You know why that is? Because I've learned how to struggle. And I've learned how to be the last man standing. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that your life was impacted by this service and you are able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him, but been far from him. We wanna give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross so that you could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. If you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my savior and my Lord. Help me believe in you and love you every day and help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you have just made to make Jesus the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey. And most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we would love to send you with some easy steps on where to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you real soon.